The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not contain or constitute and should not be interpreted as any form of medical advice or opinion. You should always seek the advice of your healthcare provider about any questions or concerns that you may have. Welcome back to the Unfiltered podcast. On this show, we interview mental health professionals about abusive, toxic and healthy relationships. It is our hope that these interviews help you cultivate safe relationships. Most of the things that you think you can't do on your own, you can. It's just that the narcissist has abused you so much to the point that you're always questioning yourself and you don't believe that you can't do all these things on your own. It, it, it sucks to be socially isolated. That's a problem. But in terms of practical things, most of the time you can get a lot of them done on your own. You just don't believe it. Hello everyone, my name is Juliana Aiken. I'm the host of the Unfiltered podcast and a co-founder of Unfiltered. Today I'm interviewing Andre O'Donnell. He is a licensed psychotherapist in Washington state. Andre specializes in helping people heal from a vast range of traumas, including narcissistic and sociopathic abuse, religious upbringing, complicated family and relationship dynamics, infidelity and complex grief. As a survivor of narcissistic abuse, Andre fully understands the complexity of abuse and knows that trauma manifests in many shapes and forms. Today's episode is all about protecting yourself from the five manipulation tactics used by people with narcissistic traits. We will be going through five common tactics that individuals with narcissistic traits use to control and manipulate others. But don't worry, we won't leave you hanging. Andre will also be sharing practical tips and strategies for protecting yourself against these tactics so you can stay in control of your own life. So if you want to learn how to defend yourself against these five manipulation tactics, then you won't want to miss this episode. Hi Andre, thank you for joining me today. It's nice to have you in this podcast episode. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Great. Uh, let's get started with the questions and the question number one is the term punishment refers to a manipulation tactic that occurs when someone purposefully causes you emotional and or physical suffering to make you pay for something that they consider to be a mistake. For example, imagine that you accidentally spilled coffee on the abusive person in your life and they decided that it was only right that they destroy your favorite pair of shoes because of it. This would be considered punishment. How can someone protect themselves from this type of behavior? Uh, well, first and foremost, you have to recognize what kind of behavior this is and see clearly for what it is. And you're not always going to see it 100% clearly, so you just have to try your best in the moment. But when I read that question, my first thought was, this person isn't just a narcissist. I think they're a sociopath which is going to raise a lot more alarm. And, and the reason I say that is um, they're not being as sly, coy, and they're literally going and damaging your personal property right away. That is more sociopathic. So you have to know that that's what you're dealing with, um, which means they're not going to respect any of your boundaries. There's no point in engaging in any conversation about your shoes. Um, Going back to the part of them that's probably also a narcissist because often uh, sociopaths have narcissistic traits. Um, they're looking for a fight. They're looking for conflict. They want you to engage. 
And so again, you have to see this tactic for what it is. So I, I would start off with that. Um, second thing I'd really consider in terms of protecting yourself physically is, well, obviously don't leave your personal items out if that's realistic. Mm. Uh, if you're able to get a replacement pair of shoes, lock them in your room, lock them in a box. Now you've learned a hard lesson that you cannot have your personal belongings around this person. Again, if that's realistic, I understand people are in situations where that's not possible. So I definitely consider that. Um, and then I think the most important thing, and I'm probably gonna have this answer to every question, is um, to really focus on practicing your own self-care and support. So when this happens, is there anybody or anything that you can turn to? Um, I think often when we're dealing with this type of abuse, a lot of people in our life don't believe us. <laughs> So there's not that many places we can turn to. So sometimes that might be watching a Dr. Romney video, going to an Instagram page and just looking at things that fellow survivors have listed. Um, maybe you can find a therapist who gets it. A lot of therapists, unfortunately, don't. Maybe you do have a trusted friend, but that's really important. Um, is there anything you can do to focus on uh, your health in, in that moment? Um, eating well, going for a walk. I know those things sound very simplistic, but they do matter in the moment because this person's behavior, they're putting like a shock to your physical system. Um, so that's another thing I would keep in mind. Um, and then lastly, and again, I'm probably gonna have this response for every question, is um, try your best to be calm, cool, and collected and gray rock this person. Don't show them your emotions. Don't give them a reaction. Don't show them their vulnerabilities. Because again, they're looking for a fight. They want you to say, why did you destroy my shoes? How could you? That was disrespectful. And then the abuser is going to use that as a chance to just unload mm -hmm. a, a bunch of mean, nasty things onto you. Um, yeah. Th thank you so much. That was such a helpful, helpful answer. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Okay. Then the next question is, the phrase negative predictions refers to a manipulation tactic that occurs when someone predicts a bad outcome for you. For example, someday you will realize I'm the only one who truly cared about you. What advice do you have for someone who is trying to protect themselves from this type of manipulation? Um, so first off, this is just outright delusional behavior. This is somebody having some sort of enlightenment slash God complex. So anytime you hear someone who says, I am the only one, that is a major red flag. You should never, ever at any point in your life ever believe anybody who says, I'm the only one. So I would keep that in mind. Um, I think another thing to keep in mind is uh, it's no one's fault that they're the victim of narcissistic abuse like this. And this can happen to anybody. But more often than not, the people who are targeted are folks who are empaths, people who are very emotionally sensitive and very self-reflective. So you really want to keep that in mind when that person says that to you, because if anybody's going to give you advice or help in life or act like a mentor, they're going to value the part of you that's self-reflective, introspective, um, and they're just going to ask you questions and help you come to your own answer, your own determination. So I would definitely keep that in mind. Um, in terms of other ways that you could self-protect yourself, I'd want to echo what I just answered in the previous question. Um, try to gray rock. Don't show your emotions. Don't engage. Mm, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. And it's that that is really, really true. That like it just can't be right if someone says that. Yeah, I'm the only yeah. one. Like it's like, but then at at the same time, it probably doesn't take the conversation anywhere if you were to challenge this by saying, "Well, you can't say that because you don't know." Yeah, because then they're just going to get to you more, more and more, and then a part of you is going to start to believe them that perhaps they are the only one, and that there's mm-hmm. something you can't see, and then you're going to second guess yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's the trouble that you're going to head into when you engage with them. There are many different techniques that you can use to protect yourself from individuals with narcissistic traits in your life, and one of the most effective techniques that you can use is the gray rock method. And like Andre suggested, when someone is using negative predictions, you should try to gray rock them and not engage in the conversation with them. While gray rocking may seem pretty straightforward, there is a lot that goes into restraining yourself from engaging in a meaningful interaction with a narcissist. And meaningful interactions refers to any interaction that gives the narcissist access to your thoughts, feelings, emotions, or needs. We have an article, How to Grey Rock a Narcissist, Three Simple Steps. And next I'm going to highlight the three steps briefly. And in the article, you can read about these three steps in detail. The link to the article is in the podcast notes. Okay, so when trying to master the grey rock method, your step number one should be to practice mentalization. Mentalization is the ability to understand one's own and others' mental states, thereby comprehending one's own and others' intentions and effects. This is important because when you become good at mentalization, it becomes easier for you to comprehend the narcissist's intentions and effects. For example, if the narcissist is saying something passive-aggressive and your first response to the situation is mentalization, you would realize that the narcissist is trying to get you to engage with them into a negative interaction. They want you to engage in a negative interaction with them because they want to use your response to portray you in a negative light and or victimize themselves. The step number two is that you want to practice self-restraint. Self-restraint refers to control over your own actions or feelings that keeps you from doing things you want to do but should not do. When you restrain yourself successfully, it will prevent the narcissist from getting narcissistic supply and in the article we explain this in more detail. The step number three is that you want to practice and learn how to self-validate. The Grey Rock method does not mean that you can't express your thoughts, feelings and emotions, but what it means is that you can't express your thoughts, feelings and emotions in front of the narcissist in your life. The Grey Rock method is an incredibly difficult technique to use because of how many painful thoughts, feelings and emotions it can create for you. So you must make sure that you practice self-validation which is the act of accepting our own internal experience, including our thoughts and feelings, to manage these painful thoughts, feelings and emotions that might come. Okay, then the next next one is the phrase slippery slope refers to a manipulation tactic that occurs when someone suggests that the small problem that you have will inevitably lead to a monumental one. For example, if I do this for you, you will think... You can get whatever you want from me. I'll become your slave and have no life. How can someone protect themselves from these types of behaviors? Uh, This is definitely a power and control tactic. And it's very transactional. (laughs) 
right? If you do this for me, then I do this for you. Um, anytime someone tries to approach a relationship through a transactional lens, that's a huge red flag. Because <laughs> no healthy relationship is transactional. That's, that's not how relationships ought to work. Can you give the, give the green flag? Like you said, that's not how healthy relationships work. How do they then work? They're reciprocal. They, we feed off each other. That's how healthy relationships work. Okay. I mean, again, it's it's similar to the other questions you posed. Um, try not to ask them for anything. Don't ask them to clarify. Because um, they're teasing you with that language. They're Again, they're trying to pull you in. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I think in each of these situations, especially this one, um, there's a time and place to set boundaries, you know, and it really just depends on the specifics of the person you're dealing with and how well they can respond to boundaries. Um, most often the people on the narcissistic, sociopathic, psychopathic spectrum that respond best to boundary setting are the very low level narcissists. Mm. But if you're dealing with anything more severe than that, like forget about it, I wouldn't even try okay. to set boundaries with them. So if this person's like a low level narcissist in, in this situation and the other questions above, um, you could always say, you know, I hear what you're saying and this is what I'm going to do because this is important for me. And that's usually like the go-to formula yeah. for setting boundaries in these type of situations, but only again, if this person's a very low level narcissist. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, then I, I was thinking because in this example, the example sentence that that is given here is like, if I do this for you, it kind of sounds like someone has asked this narcissistic or a narcissist to do something for them a favor or like can you help me with something like it's it must be such a hard situation to be in like uh, when you said that do not try to rely on them do not ask them anything and if you are imagining that like or if you are in a relationship with someone that you are not supposed to rely on or need them that's just so like that's so like hard and difficult, like. It's very tough. I mean, I spend hours with my clients coming to terms with this, but I mean, if you need to stay in this relationship, there isn't a way to go no, no contact, then mm. yeah, you have to learn to find support elsewhere. That's the only way. Mm. How do yeah, you... it's very painful. Yeah. yeah, how do you usually when you have clients and then they are like, you can kind of see that, okay, now the like, next step would be for them to try to find alternative, either alternative people or ways to, um, so that they don't need to rely on this person. So they have to kind of find a ways to either become so self-reliant that they don't need, you know, to rely on anyone, but that kind of sounds very tough as well. So what do you like say to them, how they can find alternatives while being in a relationship with someone that they cannot rely on? Again, that's very situation specific. Um, like one a good example is um, opening your own bank account. That's like a small baby step you can take in a situation that's going to be very tough to get out of. Mm. Do you do you have any other examples like that? That was a good one. Uh, you know, doing a basic review of your basic needs 
Mm. and seeing if you can get those elsewhere. Because again, a lot of people in your life aren't going to fully believe or understand the type of abuse that they're enduring. But that doesn't mean those people can't help you in other ways in your life. Mm. Yeah, like, are you saying that you just if, uh, if you are aware of your basic needs, you probably don't have to try to explain narcissism to someone like fully and with the goal of, I hope they understand me like 100% because if you have mapped out your basic needs you just can you know simply ask them for example if your need is uh what would it be like you you need some help uh in a weekly basis with something you can always ask just hey can you help me for example yes. your friend or yeah okay yeah because i feel like often people end up also isolating themselves because they are like facing this struggle of trying to explain narcissism to their loved ones and family and like uh, friends and then they kind of realize that people that they do not get that and then they end up isolating themselves more and they're like well I don't I don't want to rely like I don't want to talk with them because I feel like I'm not understood but then asking just hey can you help me with this because you know that that's your basic need yeah that that, that, that was a really great point thank you for that Um, I think another thing to keep in mind, and I find this all the time with my patients, is like once you start to see the person truly as they are, all these ideas come up on your own. You start to know where to look to meet these needs elsewhere. It's a very organic process, you know. And lots of areas where people can get these needs met again are not in areas where people necessarily need to understand narcissistic abuse, but there are areas where uh, communities where people learn to rely on themselves the theme of like overcoming obstacles. So um, folks in recovery from some sort of substance, codependence anonymous, a fitness group, a spiritual group. I mean, those are great areas to meet some of these needs. Again, with realizing not everybody's going to get narcissistic abuse, but they are going to understand the journey of you learning to do things on your own. Because mm. most of the things that you think you can't do on your own, you can. It's just that the narcissist has abused you so much to the point that you're always questioning yourself and, and you don't believe that you can't do all these things on your own. So, I mean, yes, it, it sucks to be socially isolated and that's a problem. But in terms of practical things, most of the time you can get a lot of them done on your own. You just don't believe it. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for saying that out loud. I totally agree with you on that. Great. Um, then moving on to the next. And we have here the term bribery refers to when someone offers something that you want if you comply with their wishes. For example, imagine your parents offering you a new car if you break up with your current partner. This is bribery. How can someone protect themselves when the abusive person in their life is trying to bribe them? I think this actually goes back to what we were just talking about a second ago. Um, learning to believe and realize that you eventually at some point in time can provide these resources for yourself. Um, so obviously, if you're at the point in this relationship with your parents where they're bribing you with a car to leave your partner, then this behavior has been going on for a long time. And there's lots of ways they bribe you. <laughs> and that has probably shattered your self-esteem. And you don't realize and believe that you can do this all on your own. So I think that would be the first step is saying, wow, it's gotten to this point. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> they're telling me to leave my partner. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Yeah. So then, you know, starting to, to investigate that, like where else does this show up in my life? So then it, like in the moment, you don't fall for the trap. You don't give in to the brand new shiny car. So you're going to need time and space to do that self-reflection. So, you know, initially, if you're scared to set a boundary or say no with them, you can stall mm. and say, I, I hear what you're saying. I will get back to you. And then you spend some time to self-reflect, really looking back on this pattern as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel and, like, and it... yeah, sorry, please continue. No, no, it's okay. What were you going to say? I was going to say that, especially like you, when you said that it can um, like setting boundaries with parents, like in this example, and like you said that this type of behavior has been probably been going on quite some time. It's not like that they just, you know, realize to start to, oh, let's, I, I want to start bribing my, you know, kids. So it is very likely that if you have had these type of parents saying no, setting a boundary, that's very foreign concept for you that you probably don't have much experience doing like so how how can one someone start when they are very uncomfortable with setting those boundaries because they never had done that or al been allowed to set boundaries that is a very tough question <laughs> <laughs> Well, good that I'm not the one answering. Like... Yeah. <laughs> I think you have to spend time doing your research and you have to try your best and really know that you're going to make mistakes. You're not always going to get it right and, and be as self-forgiving as possible. There could be situations where you recognize the behavior, but you're so scared to set the boundaries. So you give in and you take the new car and you leave your partner And, and sometimes, unfortunately, that's part of the process. I, I wish it was different than that. But I'd want to know, um, again, more details about the situation. How old are you? Are you financially dependent on your parents? Mm. What other factors are at play? Yeah, and unfortunately, um, I don't have those details, but yeah. Um, some coaching I do with clients, like in early stages of boundary setting like this, is we spend some time just rehearsing and writing down simple boundary setting statements and you just start practicing that with one small thing here are some example statements that you can use in situations where you want to say no in an assertive but polite manner one i appreciate the offer but i'm going to have to decline two thanks for thinking of me but i'm not interested Three, I understand where you are coming from, but I have to say no. Four, I'm sorry, but I can't commit to that right now. Five, no, I'm afraid I can't help you with that. Six, I'd rather not, but thanks for asking. Seven, thanks for the opportunity, but I'm going to pass. Eight, I'm going to have to respectfully decline. Nine, I'm sorry, but I'm not available for that at this time. Ten, no, that won't work for me, but I appreciate your understanding. I've been entrenched in narcissistic dynamics with my family my whole life. I'm in my 40s now. I still fall for this. Everybody does. Uh, it's a it's a lifelong process. Mm. 
I'd think in the early stages, you just keep it simple. You say no, or you stall. And then if they try to pull you in, you just try to remove yourself from the situation as best that you can. You, mm-hmm. you don't need to make it any more advanced than that. Mm. But again, like there's also a lot of situations where I don't even try to set the boundary. And so that's part of this process, too. You have to figure out, should I even try to set a boundary with these people? This this example, when I was reading it, I was like, who does that? Who bribes someone like with a statement like that? It sounds just so insane. But like, do, do you know how to explain the, you know, narcissistic people's perspective, why they would even try this type of bribe? Oh, because all narcissists think that they're above the law and they're above the rules and they can do whatever they want as they please so they can control the situation. So are you... Yeah, I was going to ask, like, do you think that mm, this person's current partner is posing a threat to the narcissistic parents or parent and, like, kind of mm, making it harder for the parent to you know maintain the control oh absolutely they're they're threatened by something because if they were truly concerned about this person's partner they would sit down and have a conversation and ask curious questions Mm -hmm. and just be there to offer emotional support so obviously there's probably no issue or concern with this partner okay thank you thank you so much for for these answers Then we have the number five, and that's the phrase spiritual legalism refers to when someone states or implies that you must behave in a certain way in order to be clean before God. For example, God is not happy with you right now. How can someone protect themselves from an abusive abusive person who uses spiritual legalism to manipulate them? This gets really complicated because it really depends on what situation you're in. Is this coming from a parent? Are you underage? Are you in a situation where you're trapped? Are you living under a cult? Or are you just voluntarily a member of your local community church and you know that you can leave at any time? Or are you involved in a leadership role at your community church and someone says it's you? So, I mean, you have to keep all that in mind but that that being said i I think again this is a very delusional statement as if you are the only one who knows the truth and you know what god says um with most truths in life whether they're spiritual philosophical everybody needs to come to these realizations on their own with every ancient religion it's been proven time and time again a good leader is going to help you get to the point where you can answer your own questions through your own journey, through your own process of inquiry. So saying I'm the only one who can do it, I'm the only one who speaks to God, that goes against the basic premise of ancient religions, philosophy, and wisdom. Mm-hmm. When I when I read this uh, example, it made me think that this is such a cruel way to try to manipulate someone who like is religious and believes in god and uh because it can cause a lot of anxiety if you do believe that like and it can be it's like a very powerful 
manipulation, I mean. It is. And I think that situation, if you truly believe in this person and in this version of God, and you have no one who has your back or understands the abuse that's going on, and someone says this to you and you're vulnerable, what a scary place to be in. That's awful. Yeah. Right. And that's a way that so much abuse gets perpetuated in spiritual communities. Mm. I'm interested. So I just finished a great book called uh, Healing from Hidden Abuse. And it's written from a therapist who also has a background in being Christian. Um, but the book isn't religious itself, but she does specialize in uh, spiritual abuse in Christian communities. And I like she talks about in her book that abusers use the concept of God as a flying monkey. And so if, you, and I think that's a really good thing to realize is if you can see that this person is using God as like a human being, like another person that they would typically do to triangulate yeah. and pit someone against you. Yeah, that's a very, very good, good point. Yeah. Like it's like, because triangulation, it's all about making one-on-one -on -one situations into two and one situations so they are like using god in that context to create that power imbalance in the conversation or conflict they don't even need another person they don't need to call some their mother or friend or someone to support them they just say oh god thinks that that uh god is not happy with you right now and there it is power imbalance if the other person is like like uh believing that but notice in every question that you posed, all the themes are the same. You're being punished if you don't do what I like. Mm, mm. So it's all about control? It's all about power and control and pitting someone else or a religious concept or an idea or a vehicle against you. In every situation, some object, spiritual deity or human being is being pitted against you and you are being punished unless you do what the person wants. So once again, can you summarize what is the best way to deal with a person who is going to punish you if you don't do how they like? There isn't one particular way. It, it re really depends on how the person's gonna respond and what your relationship looks like with them. Um, in some situations you can set a boundary where you kind of fluff their ego and say, I hear what you're saying and this is what I'm going to do. In other situations, you don't respond. You gray rock, you don't show any emotion and you just leave the situation when you can. Mm. I, I think there's just so many times when you deal with these people that they're never going to get it. You can't talk reason into them and you have to do what you can to get out. Mm. Even if that takes time. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I don't want to d diminish the seriousness of all these situations. It is incredibly difficult to leave these types of relationships. Um, but I think the real work is internal. Coming to terms with what's going on and figuring out what you need to do for yourself so you can save yourself. You're not really going to get anywhere with these people by trying to reason. Um, but another thing that stands out to me with all these situations is I really think in each of these scenarios your only two options are either to eventually go full no contact or detach contact so detach contact means you're still in contact with the person but you don't speak to them as much you stop sharing personal details about your life 
you no longer share your emotional vulnerabilities with them. So there are a lot of situations where you can't just leave the situation. You have kids, you can't just leave your job because you have bills to pay. So detached contact is really the best way to go. So you're not really saying to them, oh, I'm setting this boundary with you. Please don't do this anymore. You hurt my feelings. You're talking to them, but you're just being more calm, collected. You're not revealing as much. You're not playing their game. Yeah, and I, I think you really have to become the master of not taking personally as well. Because I yeah. often think that the abuse that they put you through, it actually isn't that personal. They are doing it to someone else after you. They did it perhaps before you. I mean, most probably if you are dealing with a narcissist. Like, like even though they will, of course, use your personal past your personal characteristics everything that's like about you but at, at the end of the day it's just it's again it's all about them it's them projecting their own underlying shame uh, negative emotions that's they use you to deal with that so it's not about you <laughs> like in the end <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm glad you say that to yourself Because, yeah, it's so hard not to personalize it in the moment and make it about you when they weaponize your deepest vulnerabilities. But another really important thing to keep in mind is the damage that these people do to our physical health. And I don't even think we can fully see or realize that in the moment. Um, a lot of research has shown this. This has written a lot of books about narcissism. I'm sure you're really familiar with this. Um, usually when you're at the end of your rope, and you realize you need to make a change or you find a therapist who really understands narcissistic abuse, you have a lot of physical symptoms um, in, in terms of muscle aches, autoimmune issues, just frequently getting colds. I think that's all related to the abuse. So if you are stuck in a situation with the abuser, you can't get out and it's really hard to set boundaries. You shake when you even want to say no and you're trying your best to do detached contact, but you still make mistakes. The number one thing you can do for yourself is self-care. And I don't mean that in that cheesy way that's really inundated in our culture right now, like go take a bubble bath, but really take your health. Seriously, I think so many of us end up abusing substances, we get eating disorders, we engage in self-harm because of the toll it takes on our body. Um, and th this really relates to what more of my background is, which is um, psychoanalytic psychodynamic training. Um, and a big concept in, in that theory is internalizing the aggressor. So the aggressor is a narcissistic abuse. So to, it's to internalize the aggression that's coming at us. So uh, we take we take ownership of the aggressor's negativity, their abuse. We, we soak it up because again, most people who are abused by the narcissist are highly sensitive people. And so us highly sensitive people, we're just more naturally attuned to picking up people's feelings, to taking on their emotions. And that's what the narcissist does. And they know what they're doing when they hurt us. They dump their negativity onto us. We don't have that internal boundary set up and then we take it all. And then that's when I think our health and physical well-being really gets jeopardized. Um, having been through a lot of narcissistic abuse myself, I wish when I was younger, people would have told me, focus on your health, don't use substances. 
mm. exercise. I don't think that's talked about enough. Yeah. In, in the early stages, I think there tends to be a lot of focus more on like what happens when you dealt with all the damage. <laughs> now, now you're a wreck. Now, do uh, see a somatic therapist, do EMDR, like get to massage with a massage therapist who has some understanding of how trauma, trauma is kept in the body, right? There's a lot of focus on that. But like, what about in the beginning, like when you're trapped and you can't get out of this horrible situation? Yeah, that's, that's very good point. Because I do know many who turn, like, it's understandable when you are in the tough situation like that, and you see no hope, for example, that it is harder to get yourself out to the gym. If you don't see hope, like it's like, yeah. or you don't, you you feel like overall you don't have control over yourself. So you might, it, it spreads to everywhere. I don't have control over my health. Why would I go to gym? Because I don't get better. Or why, why would I like stuff like that? It spreads the mindset. It's can affect everywhere in your life. It's very hard to stop. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, do we have anything else to add there? It's, it's been a great discussion. Thank you so much. Oh, I think one other concept to keep in mind, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this are going to be familiar with this, but um, I think our dynamics with our abusers are our, like our relationships to drug and alcohol. So when the, uh, you know, initially we get pulled into these relationships or we get stuck in them because the abuser idealizes us or they love bomb us, right? And initially we get that high. That's like when someone starts drinking or using drugs. Um, but eventually, you know, with time, your general well-being goes down on the scale and then to even get back to some sort of baseline you have to use the drug or drink again but you're no longer getting that initial high yeah. you're just warding off the detox from the substance mm. and i think i think the similar thing goes on with abusers so I, I think using that metaphor can really help people start to see the patterns more clearly i, I personally found that really helpful yeah yeah thank you for sharing that yeah, I mean, I think that's it. These are really good questions and there's no easy answer. And I really feel for people who are stuck in those situations. I've been there. It's terrible. It's isolating. Uh, do whatever you can to believe yourself and know your truth, whatever your truth is. Everybody has their own beautiful inner world mm -hmm. that they can tap into to survive these awful situations. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, I agree. Today we had some great questions and great answers. So I want to also thank everyone for listening to this episode. And thank you, Andre, again, like coming coming to this episode and giving such helpful and amazing advice. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. Uh, I hope it can help a lot of people. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and share the episode with your friends and family. Have a wonderful rest of your day and see you in the next episode.